0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019. Welcome back to the I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss gamble fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And when I say it's Wednesday, um, it is technically Wednesday, but practically speaking, it's late Tuesday. I just got out of studio uh, here in New York City. It's about 1 a.m. Eastern, but I'm not sleepy, and Norlander's up. So we decided to go ahead and record tonight, and I wanted to start with this. There are six SEC schools ranked in the AP poll right now. It's number one Tennessee, number eight Kentucky, number 16 Auburn, number 20 Ole Miss, number 22 Mississippi State, number 25 LSU. And three of those ranked SEC schools, uh, specifically Auburn, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State, uh, lost on Tuesday night. More troubling than that is the fact that they all seem to be going the wrong direction. Auburn lost at South Carolina on Tuesday, so that's two straight losses for BP's Tigers. They're now four and four in their past eight games. They're now five and five against top 100 Ken Palm teams. Meantime, number 20 Ole Miss got murdered at Alabama on Tuesday night, so the Rebels are now one and two since entering the AP poll, lost at home by 14 to LSU, lost at Alabama by 21. They're now 4-3 and three against top 100 Kimpom teams. And then number 22, Mississippi State, got beat up pretty good at Kentucky on Tuesday night. So the Bulldogs are now 2-3 and three in their past five games, lost at South Carolina, lost at home to Ole Miss, lost by 21 at Kentucky. Norlander, here's the question. Mm-hmm. Which um, of these SEC schools, Auburn, Mississippi State, or Ole Miss, uh, which one are you most concerned about right now?
1: um mississippi state because and it had it had the most reasonable loss uh, of of all of them now it was it wasn't competitive i mean kentucky i think that was somewhat like kentucky's really rounding into shape as a top 10 program here uh and mississippi state kind of got it close a little bit there and then kentucky just bloated the lead but because we have a program here, not just under Halland, I mean, the team hasn't made, the school hasn't made the NCAA tournament uh, in a decade. And its talent suggests that it shouldn't be 14-4, and four, which isn't a horrendous record. But in the non-conference, the uh, the opponents were just okay. Uh, it wasn't exceedingly impressive. I... Mississippi State might be your—I get the feeling that maybe that would be your least likely candidate, pairs, But the reason why I say it is Auburn's still not at full strength, although, as we mentioned on the previous podcast, the fact that it keeps letting these opportunities slip is not a good sign. Auburn is not going to be able to make up enough ground, in my opinion, at this stage— to equal that 4-seed, 5-seed line that it was dancing around for much of the uh, final month of the season, last season. I think if you're an Auburn fan, you hope that your team can rally, get it right, and then somehow manage to get a 6 or a 7, which I think is the ceiling at this point. But I do like their talent still, and it would be a matchup game with them in the tournament in terms of if they got the right team, I could see that team breaking through, getting right, making a Sweet 16. I have more confidence in Auburn than Mississippi State. With Ole Miss... We might have a little bit... With Ole Miss, we might also 14-4 like Mississippi State. I don't think Ole Miss is nearly as good as Texas Tech, and I don't think Texas Tech is going to drift back to preseason expectations. But what I saw on Tuesday night was a Texas Tech team take its third loss, an Ole Miss team drop its second in three games, and the preseason expectations sometimes with some of these teams that wind up being surprises into December, maybe early January, Sometimes they have a way of just drifting a little bit back to where we thought they might be. I really think that will be the case with Ole Miss, who loses by 21 the way Mississippi State did on the road. The opponent wasn't as good. We didn't think that Ole Miss would lose to that kind of degree. Maybe Alabama is starting to figure it out just a little bit. Maybe it played itself well at Tennessee. Now it gets the job done there. Has good talent overall. Perhaps the Crimson Tide are destined to be spoilers within that league. But for me, I just have the least amount of confidence in Mississippi State. If you tell me, Parrish, that Mississippi State... Not I'm not saying this is the likely outcome, but if you tell me that we get to Selection Sunday and Mississippi State isn't even in that first four out, I'm not going to be surprised. It'd be great to see them there. They're well overdue, but something about this team I just have never been able to buy in from the start of the season, and I remain there in light of the way it looked against Kentucky on Tuesday night.
0: To your point about Ole Miss maybe starting to come back a little closer to preseason expectations, I'd say this: a um, preseason expectation was dead last in the SEC. I don't think they're going to be that, but I but I understand the point you're making. And Kim Pomeroy has, I believe, studied this and written about it, um, that typically your preseason AP poll is a more accurate reflection of what the college basketball season is going to be at the end than your middle January polls, because we do, and I, I think rightfully so, because you, you should be reacting. If you're going to update – Uh, rankings every week or in my case every day you should be reacting to what's happening and you know a few games ago when Ole Miss was 13 and 2 coming off back-to-back wins over Auburn and Mississippi State they deserve to be ranked but that might not be an accurate reflection of what they actually are and these last three games have maybe shown that they beat Arkansas in the middle but lose at home by 14 points to LSU get blasted at Alabama and now and here's the other point I wanted to make about these three teams. None of them are in a great place to like get things turned around right now because Ole Miss has lost two of three. Next up, home game against Iowa State, SEC Big 12 Challenge. So good luck. Iowa State's obviously good. And then you got to go to Florida where you, you'll probably be an underdog. And then you get Mississippi State at home. Um, they could pay, be, be paying you back right there. So um, it doesn't get any easier in these next few games for, for Ole Miss. For Mississippi State – And Auburn, well, guess who they play next? Each other. Uh, That Saturday, Mississippi State gets Auburn down in Starkville. So we're talking about these teams trying to get back on track. By definition, Auburn and Mississippi State can't both do it. Only one of them is going to be in a position to get a win. And if Mississippi State loses this one, that'll be two straight losses, four out of six, and then guess what's after that? Uh A trip to Alabama. And then guess what's after that? A trip to Ole Miss. So Mississippi State really needs to get this home win against Auburn, um auburn schedule eases up a little bit better they're at mississippi state but then they get missouri at home alabama at home florida at home but either way um all three schools are still in the polls i haven't even looked at the top 25 and one yet i'll get that done after this podcast but i'm not sure where they'll be yes i'm going to be up to it like four in the morning at least i'm not sure well they'll be in the top 25 and one i would say maybe Ole Miss is most at risk of falling out but uh Uh, Three of the six SEC schools that are ranked headed the wrong direction uh, right now. So, Indiana lost to Northwestern on Tuesday night. That's five losses in a row now for the Hoosiers. We're going to dive into that right after this. If you're trying to hire people and you're not going to ZipRecruiter.com slash ION, then you're not being smart about it because normal job sites can't do what ZipRecruiter does because unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter actually finds qualified candidates for you. It's powerful. Matching technology scans thousands of resumes, literally thousands, to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience, and then it actively invites them to apply for your job. The result? It has you getting qualified candidates fast. It's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States. It's a rating that comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with more than 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, absolutely free, at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com ION. That's E-Y-E-O-N. So if you want to support the podcast and ZipRecruiter and find great candidates for the job you need filled. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So Indiana took its fifth straight loss on Tuesday night. They fall at Northwestern. That's the worst loss in this five-game stretch. Also, Devontae Graham wasn't meeting standards of the program, according to the program, so he's been suspended indefinitely, did not travel with the team. Three weeks ago, Indiana was 12-2 and and ranked 21st in the AP poll. Now the 12-7 and down to 39th at Ken Palm. What's the problem at IU, Norlander?
1: Um... I can't remember if I brought this up on the pod. I know I said it on HQ at some point. So if I'm repeating on the pod, apologies. But one Dude, thing. I have no idea how
0: often I do that. I don't know where I, <laughs> I, I talk so much. I don't know where I say what. So I'm like maybe telling the same story twice on the radio show or twice on the podcast. It gets confusing when you talk this much every
1: day. It happens on the podcast frequently. But I and many of the listeners, we just we just go with it. We roll with it. <laughs> Thank and anything. you. Um, so, one thing with Indiana is they the way that Duke can rely on Barrett and Williamson, and they got some from Reddish in their win over Pitt, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but we we have come to learn that Indiana cannot... Like Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan are by far the team's two best players by far. Like they've got a nice, promising young talent, Ron Finnessy. He's been he's been solid, and Justin Smith's a fine player, and Devonte Green, who's now suspended indefinitely, is fourth leading scorer and all that. But it's it's Langford, Morgan, and everyone else, and because of the quality in the Big Ten, not to say the ACC doesn't have quality, because it clearly and obviously does. Um, but the way that Indiana is built and and the teams it's going up against, it cannot ask those two to be awesome consistently and have that be enough to pull out victories. And in fact, a concerning thing with IU is not just that it's losing. And it's understandable that I'm not saying it's acceptable because I know Indiana fans aren't accepting this. It's understandable when you get four games in a five game stretch that all come on the road. And so it's going to be tough for almost any team in the Big 10 to have four out of five on the road. That's just a brutal stretch, an unlucky stretch. And Indiana will make up for it with more home games uh, down the way here. But they weren't close in so many of them. I watched the Michigan game. They lost by 11. They weren't in that one. They had the chance at Maryland lost close. But Nebraska was, was a poor performance. Purdue was worse than 15 points than it wound up being. And then the Northwestern game, they had it, the lead. They lost it overall. Um, Offensively and defensively, this team is not as as good as it should be, given its talent, given that coaching staff. And yes, they're up against it now. Now, I know I did mention on the previous podcast, but I don't think I was clear enough. They are staring down missing the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years under the same coach, which hasn't happened unaffected. By NCAA sanctions since the Mike Davis era in 0405, they have missed the previous two. But one was with Green, one was with Miller. So this is a uh, this has been a long time coming. The, the league is so loaded, and Indiana still has enough there that you could turn it around. In fact, we've got a lot of pieces here in college basketball. Kansas State has hit, a, has hit a streak. You've got team Baylor is playing well in the Big 12. You've got teams now that are either hitting a groove in a good way or really hitting the skids kind of all across the power leagues. Indiana is on the wrong side of that right now. I don't know if they can get it right because the other thing is this, and I don't know if this will wind up GP being something of real consequence or not, but it's it's not a good sign from the outside looking in and i i don't have intel on this yet but like when you have a, a starting level caliber player get suspended in the midst of a losing streak like things are just not in a good place for IU overall right now and i can tell you that no way did that staff think that it would be like this on january 3rd when we turned the calendar to the to the new year less than 3 weeks ago
0: so on one hand, you can look at this five-game losing streak and go, "Okay, four of the losses were against you know top twenty Ken teams, and you know four of the losses have been on the road." Um, that's all true, but the truth is they're they're not playing well either. Like you can't just excuse the losses because they were tough games or games that they were projected to lose. Um, their efficiency numbers are all down. You know, at one point this season, um, after they beat Marquette by twenty-three. Uh, they were all the way up at 16th at Ken Palm. Now they're down to 39 at Ken Palm. And have you seen the schedule? You see what's next?
1: Uh, Michigan at home, I only know that because that's their only home game in like a four-game stretch, uh, not on the road. And that's just uh, that's just a rough one. I mean, <laughs> you got to try and get right on a Friday night against Michigan. That's right. going to be a tall task. Although, sneak preview, I might just pick the Hoosiers on the Friday pod. You'll have Oak, to wait and see.
0: Okay. Okay, you're exactly right. They got Michigan on Friday. Then they go to Rutgers. um, But then they, after that, have to go to Michigan State. So two of the next three are against Michigan and Michigan State. You do not want to be on a five-game losing streak. And two of your next three are against Michigan and Michigan State. So good luck, Arch. Uh, uh, Nothing easy about this. And I I know Indiana fans are getting restless. I will repeat what I've said on a previous podcast because we've established I often do that. Um, I still believe in Archie and the staff. I'm surprised that this is going this way but i think big picture um indiana fans are are still going to be happy with the direction of this program even if things aren't good right now i will also add um it's got to be frustrating if you're an indiana fan or even an indiana coach like you dream of like are we going to get romeo langford can we get that done you get him you're only going to have him for a year and then the year might be a year in which you miss the NCAA tournament. That's the problem with, not a problem, it's just a reality of the one-and-done era. Like, you work so hard. Hmm. Like, Duke and Kentucky going to get three or four of these guys a year in some cases. But, you know, at Indiana, you, you might get one every once in a while. And you get the one. The in-state star and right now it you know they are projected to miss the NCAA tournament you know they're 18 and 13 is the, the projected record kimpom is 18 and 13 9 and 11 in the big 10 i don't think that would be good enough so they're going to have to get better and obviously the 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 schedule uh, right in front of them is not conducive to it's not conducive to getting um, to getting better um, duke and virginia both won no problem on tuesday night Zion was 11 of 13 from the field for Duke, 25 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. RJ Barrett added 26 points on 24 shots, and I bring this up only, and we'll talk about it briefly, because it was the first game for both teams since they played um, that really fun game on Saturday. So Duke, uh, you know, adds uh, to its win over Virginia with a convincing win at Pitt. Jay Z, by the way, sitting courtside, Um, and it really has been an interesting and really, um, I think, positive past week for Duke. Because think about where we were last Wednesday. They're coming off a loss to Syracuse at home. Uh, Trey Jones is hurt. And the speculation is he's going to be out for a while. And you got Virginia coming into your building um, on Saturday. Well, in the past week, we found out the injury is not as severe as initially feared. Trey Jones did not play against Pitt, but he, he is expected to play again soon and you're 2-0 and without Trey Jones with a victory over Virginia and a road win over Pitt. And that might not have sounded like much in the preseason, but Pitt has shown itself to be a formidable opponent um, in its own building, and yet uh, Duke handed them pretty much no problem. So uh, good night for Duke, good night for Zion. Any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I Very little on the game other than a reminder to listeners that Shesky as most of you well know, has many former players/slash assistants uh, with head coaching jobs and, and gigs at this point. And Mike Bray is the only one to really have success against Shoshovsky. Uh, period. Um, Capel didn't. He's he's doing a fine job there. Didn't think Pitt was going to be able to win this one, and it <laughs> went uh, probably as much as he feared. So a nice uh, a nice game for Duke, coming off a, a challenge against Virginia. Virginia was demolishing Wake Forest and continued to do so which was the expected outcome there now they've got Notre Dame and then North Carolina State coming up on the road but overall no i would i would my extended thought is this in Wednesday's court report i've got a a 1 to 10 of just like if the season ended today and i had a player of the year ballot that had 10 spots here's how they would line up to me Zion Williamson is still number one far and away. I still have John Morant, too, by the way, and the court report will have something on him. I have R.J. Barrett, I think, seven or eight on that list. Duke's the only team that has two players represented, and I think the only other team right now that really would have a case to that, and I didn't include it, was Tennessee. I have Grant Williams, don't have Admiral Schofield, but I think Schofield registers as about top 15 status overall. But Duke right now, Williamson far away, the runaway uh, favorite. And if Williamson wasn't on Duke's roster this season and Barrett was basically putting up similar numbers, he would easily have a case to be the number one guy. But the fact that Williamson is taking up so much, um, Barrett still leads, leads the team in scoring, don't get me wrong. But at this point, um, he would have to have a huge regression, which I just frankly I don't see happening. And... Uh, I won't call it, but it, it just it does not seem likely that Zion Williamson will not be the player of the year in college basketball. It could happen, but I think it's less likely than not at this stage.
0: Um, one last thing on Virginia, they won that game sixty eight forty five. They were up twenty five to three. I looked up Weird Studio. And we've got like twelve TVs in front of us, and we have sound on one game, and then we're just watching the other. So you can sort of miss something, and I just sort of glance up at some point, and I'm like, it is twenty five to three like 10 minutes into that game, and so uh, they were obviously super focused after falling uh, 72-70 uh, at Duke on Saturday, and so Virginia, I believe, improved 17-1 and with a super impressive performance uh, against Wake Forest. Um, so there are a couple of interesting games on Thursday night, and we're going to discuss them right after this. So let's look ahead to Thursday night. Two games between ranked schools scheduled for Thursday. It's number six Michigan State at number 19 Iowa, number 21 NC State at number 23 Louisville. Let's take them in the order um, in which I listed of Michigan State's on a 12 game winning streak. Will they extend it to 13 or do they get caught at Iowa?
1: I think they get caught at Iowa. Uh, yeah, I, I do think they do. And I've said previously on the pod that Iowa is one of the toughest teams to read, at least for me. Now they've they've really started to hit a stride here. Only loss came at Purdue. Uh, it wasn't a close one right after we flipped to January. That loss was back in, on January 3rd. But other than that, they've been winning, and they've been winning uh, convincingly in many cases uh, getting, as expected, solid performances out of Tyler Cook. Jordan Bohannon's been good. I think Iowa will get him in this spot, but I will say if they don't, and Michigan State, if Michigan State does win and wins in a fairly convincing fashion, um, I believe that they have been in the mix. I heard Billis say that he doesn't believe that Michigan State is being discussed as a national championship contender. Um, I, I don't know. To me, they have been, but maybe not to the to the point where they've been at the forefront of the discussion. A win at Iowa, I think, would get them to that point. The MSU, you know, we've written about them on the site. I had stuff last week about how, how great of an offense and a passing team it is. It rates as the number six overall defense. Uh, adjusted defensive efficiency at Ken Palm right now, which is impressive on both ends of the ball. Izzo recently told me that... Um, the way that he he, he is he's adopted different changes in how he coaches and his styles and one of the things was like you know him half serious half joking going to Steve and being like I want to kind of do what you guys do and some of that is that but he also says listen I'm a huge football fan I always have been and to me like the as I've gotten older and the more I've looked at football teams that have success like over the long term, you really need to have balance on both sides of the ball. So I know that we've been good on offense, and I don't want to discount how good we've been on defense. I take a lot of pride in how effective we've been in that regard. And for the most part, they have been. But I will uh, I will take Iowa to win this one, and in doing so, getting its its marquee win, I would argue, even bigger than beating Iowa State, which is at this point by far the Hawkeyes' best W.
0: How about this? I'm going to take Iowa with you.
1: Do, you. do you have the energy to pull this off right now?
0: I, I want to so badly. Uh-oh. I want to give you my straight up, but it, again, it's 117 in the morning <laughs> and I'm in a hotel and I don't want to get security called on me because I'm yelling in my room in the middle of the night bothering. I don't, two things. I don't want to bother if there are people next to me, I don't want to bother them. And then also, I don't want security knocking on my door in the middle of a podcast.
1: Okay, I get it. So you're let just taking Let eye out.
0: Let me so, get, hey, I'll give you the quiet version. Okay, do it. So it's Thursday night, yeah. Michigan State at Iowa. Michigan State, according to pin, uh, Ken Palm, yeah. projected to be a six-point favorite. Oh. But I'm taking Iowa
1: straight, straight on, straight on. There we go. Yeah, man. I'm proud of you. That was a good one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now that, that that couldn't have I I d I didn't wake anybody up there, did I? No. Of course I, think not. You're, I
1: think you're doing uh I think you're doing a okay there. Um <laughs> Uh, In all seriousness,
0: um, we've seen teams as good as Michigan State lose at places like Iowa already this season. We saw it this weekend. Michigan goes and loses at Wisconsin. How much different is losing at Wisconsin than losing at Iowa? We've seen uh, Kansas go and lose at West Virginia. Uh, That's actually much uh, more difficult to do than than losing at at Iowa. Um, So, you know, we've seen Virginia Tech which is currently ranked in the top 10 still after getting blown out at North Carolina on a Monday night. Uh, we've seen them go to Penn State and lose. Obviously, going to Iowa and losing is, is, is much, you know, you're more likely to lose at Iowa than Penn State. So there's nothing that crazy about saying these things. Michigan State is a national championship contender. Michigan State might be, depending on what you think of Michigan, the best team in the Big Ten. But there, it won't be crazy if Michigan State loses Thursday night at Iowa. In fact, I'll say this. If Michigan State loses at Iowa on Thursday night, it won't even be the biggest upset of the night. I don't know where the other one will be, but it won't be that big of an upset. It'll, it'll be a perfectly reasonable midweek college basketball result.
1: I agree. Um, the other one that you wanted to get into is North Carolina State at Louisville. Uh, NC State um, – uh, beat Notre Dame on the road over the weekend. That was one of those results that I thought was helpful to NC State's resume, but given the fact that Notre Dame is not tracking as an NCAA tournament team, probably not even an IT team this season, um, it just it just gets lost uh, amid all of the results that, that happened there. So that was, I thought, was an important one because they, they took the loss uh, to North Carolina, and then they dropped the game at Wake Forest, which you don't want to do, but you know, Wake was bound to to pick off a win in league play. So Louisville getting the game on its home floor, I think is a major advantage. I think the Cardinals um I'm kind of riffing off the top of my head here, GP, but it seems like of all the major hires in power leagues and throwing the A C A A C there, of course, mm-hmm. um I'm guessing now that Chris Mack is the only hire from last season that is reasonably projecting to get into the NCAA tournament. Louisville has a lot of work to do. Beating NC State in this spot would be big. A loss here, I think, would just kind of spin the tires and the mud just a little bit. But a good opportunity for a Louisville team that has the capability to, uh, to work its way through um, in a good way in the, in the ACC. But this, is a, this would be a four-game win streak, and if they pulled it off, it would be the first time this season the Cardinals have won four straight.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about the first year coaches at new places of all of them. Chris Mack, probably the only one projected to, to make the NCAA tournament right now. I will say uh, Jeff Capel at Pitt has way outperformed uh, preseason computer projections. Also, Penny Hardaway at Memphis has um, outperformed preseason computer expectations. You know, Memphis is on a, a three game winning streak right now. But, um, but you know, Memphis does not project as an NCAA tournament team. Pitt does not project as an NCAA tournament team. I think that there's a chance we look up in three years, probably even next year, and we're going, oh, wow, Memphis made a nice hire. Oh, wow, Pitt made a nice hire. Oh, wow, UConn made a nice hire. Um, but the, the one getting the most out of its current product on the court Uh, I I think that probably is Louisville after hiring Chris Mack. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. Um, I've got them ranked in the top 25 and one. They've got that massive historic win uh, at North Carolina, and that's a win that, by the way, looks a lot better today than it did even on the day that it happened because North Carolina has responded by – um, beating Notre Dame at home, then going to Miami and winning by nine and then blasting Virginia tech on Monday night, one hundred three eighty-two. So every time, if you're a Louisville fan, not only are you rooting for Louisville, but you're kind of rooting for, for North Carolina to establish itself maybe as a um, top five team, because on selection Sunday, Let's just assume for a second that maybe this this starts to bounce the other direction just a little bit on Louisville, and Louisville finds itself on the bubble. There ain't gonna be another bubble team. I I, I wouldn't think that's gonna have a win anything close to as impressive as a you know a, a twenty-one point win at Louisville. I mean at uh, North Carolina. So um, th- this is a an incredible first year, uh, relatively speaking, under Chris Mack. I know when I talked to Chris in the offseason, he did not understand why people thought. Year one would have to be a, a bit of a rebuilding thing, like I remember not having them in the top twenty five at one twenty five and one at one point, and he jokingly was like yo g p what about us and I wanted to tell him like dude i I think you're amazing, obviously, but you ain't got the players to to be in the top twenty five team and uh obviously, I was wrong or at least right now it looks like I was wrong because he's got a legitimate top twenty five team right now."
1: They're looking, yes, they are looking that part. I'm interested to see what they do there. Um, real quick, GP, I just wanted to, we didn't talk about this before the podcast, but I want to flare just a Two quick items, and then if you want to go with them, you can, or we can wrap up if we want. Uh, A piece of news came down on Wednesday. Darius Garland—this isn't surprising, but whatever. Darius Garland is withdrawing from Vanderbilt to prep for the draft and rehab and all that stuff to be expected. Vanderbilt hosts Tennessee on Wednesday. The only other time Tennessee has been number one in the polls in, in modern history was back in 08 after they went against Memphis they wound up having their next game after getting to number one in the polls at Vandy. They lost that game. Now, the difference is that Vandy team was a, an NCAA tournament team. They got, I think, a four seed that season. But it's it's just a weird coincidence that now Tennessee gets the number one ranking. They've been chilling number one with you for a, a good while here, as as we well know. But in the AP, they just got it. Now they got to go to Vandy. That'll be interesting to see. And then we talked about the teams that are on these weird skids. Purdue is at Ohio State, and Ohio State could join Indiana in being a five-game losing streak recipient. They are spinning in the wrong way. Meanwhile, Purdue has been a metrics darling for much of the season actually ranks 10th at Ken Palm despite a 12 and six record it's one six of its past seven that's just an intriguing game Ohio State that is a total get right game I don't know if it'll happen but that's just something to keep an eye on there. I'm more intrigued though with Tennessee at Vandy because that's the way you know what Tennessee you should win that game but it would be uh, it would be freaky and cosmic if 11 seasons removed from the last time you were in the spot and you dropped at Vandy if that wound up happening again.
0: You know, I was actually at both of those games. I watched in person the number one team in the AP poll lose twice in a four-day span. I was there when number one Memphis lost to Tennessee in FedEx Forum on a Saturday night. And then on Tuesday night, the subsequent Tuesday after Tennessee moves to number one on that Monday, uh, they go to Vanderbilt and lose 72-69. I was in the building for that one uh, as well. On Darius Garland, um, a smart thing to do. Like if you know, you already know you're in the draft um why, why are you why are you getting up and going to English class at, you know three days a week or however it is they do it like you know you're you you're preparing to to be a multimillionaire. what good does a semester of college another, you know do for you and it, I mean I don't want to say it does nothing because that's technically untrue but um when you're weighing pros and cons the the pros of withdrawing from school and focusing on the draft if you know that's what you're going to do uh, they far outweigh the cons and so um uh, anybody in his shoes would be wise to do exactly what he's doing, and uh, hopefully rehabs well, uh, is healthy uh, enough to, to work out and show NBA people um, that he's uh, you know ready to be a lottery pick because certainly before he got injured, he was playing at, at lottery pick level. The game um, on Wednesday night, apparently – and I haven't looked at the numbers. I just saw somebody mention this on Twitter. If I could remember who it was, I would give them credit. But one of the points they made is that Vanderbilt's gym's been empty a little bit this year. I think just the 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 wind was knocked out of that program when you you know you only get it's a little bit like Indiana, maybe re- wasting the Romeo Langford year. You know, you're Vanderbilt and you get the Darius Garland year, mm. and then over before it even really gets going. And now you're Vanderbilt, and you're sitting here at 9 and 8 overall, 0 and 5 in the SEC, um with the in-state Vols come to town. So the fans have maybe like just clocked out on this a little bit, right? And my point was the suggestion made on Twitter was that don't be surprised if you you know, turn on that game Wednesday night and it's like a sea of orange. Like mm. Tennessee fans might just take over uh memorial, which would be an interesting sight either way. I do not think uh, Tennessee's going to have any issues at Vanderbilt. They're just too rock solid, man. And I know that they, you know, struggled over the weekend with Alabama, but even the best teams are going to have those every once in a while. Um, You know, they they still won the game. And if you look at Tennessee's schedule, because we discussed it on Inside College Basketball uh, late on Tuesday night, while recognizing anybody can get caught anywhere, it does look like they're going to be number one in the country for a while. Because what's next is at Vandy, then home against a bad West Virginia team. At South Carolina, I guess that could be tricky because South Carolina is like beating everybody these days. Yep. Then it's at Texas A&M. That shouldn't really be an issue. Missouri at home, Florida at home, South Carolina at home. I won't be surprised if, if Tennessee's 23-1, and 12-0 in the SEC, going to Kentucky on February 16th. I don't mean to get too far ahead of us, but uh, – the the schedule sets up where they might hold on to this number one ranking for a while.
1: Uh, yes, I <laughs> will come full circle. I think I mentioned this like three, four, five episodes on the pod that it was setting up to be like this with with Tennessee, and they might be drifting off our discussion radar just a little bit. But if they maintain that one number one status and they wound and they wind up winning. In uh, in particularly dominant fashion, continuing to do so, uh, I think they'll hold on to their uh, their relevancy and just a subject of an in, of intriguing discussion, regardless going forward. If they pull that off, we'll see if they do. Um, uh, we both got Tennessee winning, and I think winning easily against Vandy on Wednesday, but uh, but we wait and see. And there's uh, inevitably college basketball is just as expected. It's getting wacky. So over these next, before we talk to you again for Friday's pod. Rest assured, there's going to be something that crops up. You know, Buffalo loses, uh, you know, late on on Tuesday night here. Um, you just, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I think is inevitable over the next forty eight hours, and we we wait to see what uh, what happens next.
0: Shouts. To Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry M. Fatigo, he's the legend, shouts to Larnell, and please uh, go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rated favorably, if you don't mind. Five stars, nice comments. If you've already done that, thank you. Um, I do like um, sort of monitor the, you know, um, the, Ratings and the comments and I, I, I see uptick in them. So I know you guys are, are responding and I, I, I sincerely appreciate it. If you haven't done that yet, um, please, if you got like a minute, uh, we'd appreciate you doing that. And one note on Friday's podcast, we're actually going to record it Thursday night um, because I'm going to be traveling uh on friday morning and really won't get to where i'm going until friday afternoon and we don't want to get the weekend podcast the preview podcast in your hands that late so um you can refresh everything uh, at some point on thursday night we will have a new episode of the Ion college basketball podcast we'll look back at some of the things that happened on wednesday and, and thursday and then of course we'll look ahead to the weekend where the big game is is kansas at kentucky so uh be ready for that we'll talk to you again on thursday till then take care